Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Dental Practice Heroes Clinical Edition. Got the guys from Colorado Surgical Institute, Dr. Tahir Dune and Dr. Daniel Brisky. What is happening, guys? How are you doing? What's up, man? Hey, brother. I think Dune just got done with a webinar, so he's been he's been talking all all day, and he's ready to go. I can't even imagine what it would be like to do like a full day course on something. Like I would say, it's something that's always been like. Oh, I want to get up there and speak for eight hours. And then I've done like some things like one, the most I ever did was an hour and a half. I can't even imagine teaching for that long. That's got to like wear the hell out of you. Well, the cool thing is, is we only have to talk for an hour, hour and a half because then we're in the operatories doing live patient surgeries. So it's way easier than being behind the podium and just doing didactics for eight hours. I think I'd, I'd tap out also. Yeah, totally. I don't think I envy the guys teaching at the like mission institutes for those 12 hour, 10 hour lectures, mad respect for being able to talk that long. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, I wanted to tell you guys about something. So I had my supply, the equip rep come in and my assistant called him and said, Hey, we want just air only syringes because we talked about that on a previous yeah. episode. I changed six of my ops to air only because we had two of them. All they had to do was disconnect the water on one of them. It cost me $300, and now that I'm drying teeth and thinning my composite with just an air only, it is well apparent to me that there was not just air only coming out of the one that was air water, because it dries super quick, and even when I didn't see it, like even that I couldn't see it, there was moisture in there. I wanted to ask my associates, are less people coming back with sensitivity? Is there any kind of thing? I haven't... I mean, I'll update that the next time we record. But yeah, I would recommend that to everybody. It was super easy and it, it was painless and it took me 10 years to make the switch, but it was a good switch. To make. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. We'll send the invoice in the mail. Yeah, right. <laughs> totally. So we're going to talk about full arch, the big stuff, the big case, the stuff that everybody envies when they see people do it and they go, oh man, I'm going to do that one day. So what do we want to say, like before we get into the nitty gritty, what do you guys, like, what would you say about full arch? Because I think a big thing that some people are like, that's way out of my league. I don't even know where to start with that. So what would you say? Because this is something you guys teach often. I mean, I would say to anyone who's thinking about it, who thinks it's out of their league, we had several docs at the course. We just got done last weekend with the course. We did 16 arches, eight blocks, six laterals, like over 200 extractions, 100 and five implants or some ridiculous number. And one of the attendees was doing wisdom teeth, single implants, and a full arch. Day one, she was uncomfortable. Day two, she was getting more comfortable. Day three, we dropped an arch and she was keeping pace with every operatory and the surgery looked clean. So I think in the right setting and then pairing people with the right mentor and the right kind of faculty member and finding out how someone learns and how they want to do it it's easier than it's not easy for sure, but it's way easier than a lot of people think about implementation with the with the right guidance. What do you think the hardest part is? What's the most difficult part of doing this surgery? I think it's picturing how you go from the beginning to the very end. That's the hard part. It's like because a lot of people, the mystery is, is how do I start it? Right? How do I start it? What records do I take? What am I looking for? And how do I get to that end result, that you know, sexy-looking Instagram picture that people keep posting? Yeah, it's almost like a, like a decision tree needs to be made. And it's not like A, B, C, D, but it's, there's branches along the way. And you need to know that if you have to deviate 
along one pathway for any other reason that you come back to the main trunk at some point and you get to the finish line. And so I think when people see it happening over and over again, because if a lot of people saw like 10 arches because they're moving from op to op to op and you see the nuance of, of several cases, it all starts to become like, okay, we're not actually doing 10 different surgeries. We're doing one surgery with a couple of different nuanced things in there the same way every single time, putting the implants in the same location if the bone is present, and then grafting it. And so I think they just need to get over that fear of, well, I don't know how to manage it, versus like, oh yeah, this is actually easier than doing an overdenture case, or this is theoretically easier than doing a lateral sinus lift in between two adjacent teeth in the posterior maxilla, because you're slicking the entire arch and you got the entire arch to work with. And if you mess up one spot, you just go somewhere else because all the teeth are gone. Yeah, that makes sense. So like, how do people do, I feel like a lot of people just don't understand like the pre-records and how to set up the case. So what, why don't we talk a little bit about how that process works? Yeah, and that was, I'd say, one of the biggest questions we always get throughout every course. And I actually do make a 600-page curriculum that has all the answers on it. But it's kind of funny that not everyone wants to read it. So sometimes I'll, I'll make a booklet or a pamphlet or a video. That way it helps people really grasp the concept. Because I think Why wouldn't anyone want to read a 600-page booklet? <laughs> right? <laughs> Sign me up. It's a lot, of, a lot of graphics, right? Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot, of, lot of pictures, a lot of pictures too. All right, sorry, continue. Yeah, size, size eight font, yeah. single, single column or single space. Yeah. <laughs> so records that you're taking before the actual all-in-X appointment to figure out if you want to do the surgery yourself, right? So one is a CT, obviously. I don't have to say that. You need to be taking a CT if you're doing surgery. Items that you're really going to need is an intraoral scanner, uh, right? We advise a Meta or a Trios. Also an iPhone or a camera setup. iPhones work just as great as a camera these days, so we just use iPhones with a small ring light. Then a you know sterilizable double lip retractor or an optic grade to take some pictures. We do need a full set of photos, and they have to be good, high quality, so your designer, who's going to be designing the teeth electronically, can actually see where the smile is. So you're going to take a full set of ortho pictures, right? Do a repose, do a face smile, an exaggerated smile. And when I say exaggerated smile, this is the one that people always forget to get. Because when someone is smiling and they have for the past 10 years been hiding their smile, they're not going to smile for you. Uh, and they're not going to actually show how much muscle, the musculature that's going to pull the lip up or the lower lip down. So some of these people... You have to joke with them, and I'll tell the patient, hey, if you don't smile for me, I'm going to come over there and tickle you. <laughs> and most of them at that point are forced to <laughs> smile and laugh because they know I'm going to go up there and fake tickle them, right, if they don't show me what they're hiding there, <laughs> right? Have you ever had to like act like you're about to do it? I mean, I just had to do, for Illinois, we had to do sexual harassment training, and I'm pretty sure you can't do that. No, you can't actually touch them, but you can joke about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they always yeah. they will always start to laugh if you actually try to make that move and fake almost kind of go to have to tickle them to get them to smile because what they're That's hiding funny. is they could be hiding a bone excess they could be hiding they could have a low smile line or they could have just a normal smile line right and we just don't know and the the surgery differs drastically if you can't see what's going on there so I think that's one of the biggest records that's always missed is the full face exa- exaggerated smile and then we do regular smiles like up close right, left sides like that. Same thing we do with retracted. 
But the biggest pieces that most miss are two simple things. The first one being a bite in the correct VDO is if you have God may have not actually made you in the correct VDO, your bite might be collapsed because you didn't have ortho or you did have ortho and your bite is in the, in the right, in the right location, or you had a denture and you're, if you ever see those dentures that look really short and tiny, you ever notice the denture when you remake them, they get shorter and shorter. That's because we're not opening the bite enough. So if you buy something simple as a VDO gauge, uh, you can get it on eBay for maybe $80 to $100. It's based on golden principle rule. And that just says that the measurement from the corner or the middle of the eye to the corner of the lip is going to be equal to the measurement from the, the filtrum or the bottom of the nose to the bottom of the chin. So first you take the measurement from the middle of the eye to the corner of the lip, and you want that to measure to equal the bottom of the nose to the bottom of the chin. And this works 98% of the time. The people who it doesn't work on, they may look like the dude that's in the movie The Goonies because <laughs> maybe that person's face is not actually symmetrical, right? But 98% of people are going to look regular. They're going to measure the exact same, which is really cool. It's taking everything in my being not to look at my picture on the camera that we're recording and try to see if I measure up to those proportions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do, do not I, would be like, I was kind of uh, moving my mandible around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have a deficient VDO. I don't want to be known as that guy. Yeah, yeah you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> Paul, you, you are symmetrical, my friend. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Let me roll back just before you continue on. You said something about the designer to design the smile. You got to give them the proper records. So for someone who's never done a case like this and never used like a designer, what does the designer do? Like, how does that like process work? You're sending this digital information. Just talk about that because that's something I don't know about much either. Yeah, of course. So they're going to be basically doing the entire thing for you. They're really, these lab guys, they're the actual Superman, right? We just kind of wear the cape, but they're the actual Superman in these cases because they're going to look at the picture and they're going to say, oh, I need to move the midline to the right or to the left, or I need to make their teeth a little bit bigger to fill that void when they smile those dark triangles in the buccal corridors. And they're going to take that big smile and align the teeth to the lower lip smile line. So all of those little nitty gritty things that we are judged by at the end of the case, they're going to be all doing this on a computer. They need all these records and they need very good ones in the correct vertical dimension and good smiles and good descriptions of what the patient may be looking for uh, to actually get a home run. And this is designing the prosthetic. Correct. Yep. They're going to use software, a software like a three shape or an Exacad software, which is just software to move teeth around, and after they move the teeth around, they actually make digitally the denture, or they can make digitally the permanent teeth that screws in, and at that point, they, all they do is send us a file in an STL format, which is just code name for how you print the file, like a JPEG or a PDF, but this one's just STL, and then you just print it in your printer, so it's a pretty, pretty cool process. Do you become like partial to a certain designer? Oh, no, 100%. Yeah, you'll find good designers all day long. And then when you find them, you hold on to them. Like the designers at Rowe, Andrew specifically, uh, Rowe Dental, their design team is phenomenal. And that's not to say there's not other good ones out there. We've used a lot of them. But their team, their turnaround time, their capacity to bring on new people, and their education behind it, and the support they have is second to none. But to circle back to the VDO thing, let's say the VDO is collapsed. When you're doing your upper lower bite scan, 
when you take the bite record, you want to put the leaf gauge in to open their bite up. So then the video is matching the numbers that Dr. Brisky was talking about ahead of time, because you have to send that or the designer doesn't know how thick to make the prosthetic and he'll try to make it collapse. And then, you know, you have prosthetic thickness issues and then things can break. So this one simple step that Dr. Brisky was talking about saves so much time on the back end. It's, it's amazing. Ever since we started using Relevance Online Marketing, I could see a drastic improvement in our SEO. I mean, we are ranking so much higher when searching for dentists in our hometown. We are seeing more new patients and certainly someone you should give a, give a look at if you're considering new marketing companies. Just absolutely awesome. I would recommend Relevance to any practice owner who wants to see what proper marketing can do for their office. I want to thank Dr. Paul Etchinson for introducing me to Relevance Marketing. They've done a great job, very thorough. I'm happy with the results. Thank you guys for all of your help. We never truly realized how powerful this could be. It's really changed our business for the best. I think they're definitely worth every penny. Easy to communicate with, easily accessible, does what I ask, and even shows me some reports when things are going a little bit off track and what they're doing about it. You know, it's just a level of service I just haven't really received from other marketing agencies. Since we've been using Relevance, we've seen a tremendous growth in our business. I would recommend their services to just about anybody. Search engine optimization uh, and getting your ranking on Google to be the highest it can possibly be. The efforts uh, by Relevance and their team and the efforts and the things that they've done with the uh, the SEO as well as the social media. Highly recommend it. So what are you waiting for? This is Dr. Paul Etchison telling you to get a free consultation with Relevance. As a listener of the podcast, you get the first month free and there is zero obligation to continue if you aren't blown away. Make this the year you grow your practice to the next level. Go to relevanceonlinemarketing.com to set up a free consultation. That's relevanceonlinemarketing.com. So after we get the leaf gauge bite, right? So after you get the actual video and you stick a leaf gauge in there, and I hope everyone understands what a leaf gauge is because I didn't until, right, not that long ago. I think one of the classes I wish I would have taken right out of dental school was to understand occlusion a little bit better and get your mind thinking in the correct dimension. Because whenever someone asks me, hey, what do I need to do to prepare to do these cases later on? And in dental school, we're taught how to do one tooth at a time, like one tooth or two teeth or three teeth, right? Kind of like a plumber, right? We fix one thing and another thing and another thing. I'm not saying dentists are plumbers, right? (laughs) But that's kind of what we do, though, sometimes because we're patching things or fixing one tooth at a time. But just thinking in terms of the entire mouth, is the bite collapse, is the bite right too far open? How, How do I successfully build this case and CR of just all these little questions. And as soon as people can change their mindset a little bit, these cases go from being, I had no idea that you could do this to, oh man, I can definitely do this. You know, one thing I want to add too is using a leaf gauge and, and some, I don't know what they teach in dental school now, but when I went to dental school, it was relax the jaw, feel it. Feel it and work it and just work it in the CR. You wiggle it around and then you do it and you show you show yourself. He's like, nope, you, you fucked it up. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do. And then he walks over and does things like just like this. And then like I did, I took an occlusion course in a leaf gauge and I'm like, my God, this is so easy. What the heck are they, why do they teach us that shit at UIC in Illinois? I don't know. I don't know if anyone's still teaching that, but there's, I've, 
it just seemed like such a ridiculous way. I didn't even believe in it. I'm like, this is like witchery right now. That we're doing. <laughs> this isn't even right. But uh, I just want to add that. But leaf gauges are really easy. It's just leaves and plastics and, and you, you bite on it. You just put it between the interior teeth. But continue, Brisky. I just want to throw yeah. that in. If anyone didn't know what a leaf gauge was and somebody's still trying to finesse the jaw into CR. Yeah, no more finessing the jaw, even though that was amazing to see on video. Uh, I really appreciate that, Paul. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to make my own, my own instructional tapes. It's more about passion than yeah. it is about technique. <laughs> We're going to make a YouTube video now. It's going to be um, Paul finessing the jaw into CR. It's going to be a great video. We're going to get like two million clicks on it. <laughs> yeah. One of the major mistakes people make is prosthetic reduction, like bone reduction. So you have to place your implants in a certain place. So you can hide the prosthetic patients years later, six months, one year, two years later, when they smile and now they've started using those muscles again, it's going to pull up and it's going to show your transition line. And then they're going to point it out and think you did something wrong. So one thing you need to be very cognizant of doing is those tickle pictures, as Brisky calls them. You got to do that when they get their prosthetic for the first time. And that we're going to coin the term tickle pick. I know, that's what I was just thinking of briskies. You got to do a brisky tickle pick. I think that's going to stick. That's got a good ring to it. And then you got to take a picture and then you got to keep it in the open dental file. And then every time they come in, you want to get some of these exaggerated pictures. So then you can show them like, hey, no, it's your muscles that changed. It's not my surgery or my prosthetics that changed. So then you have data and stuff, especially when they sign off on their final prosthetic you take pictures on what they signed off on. So, and I like doing videos too. So I'll do a video and I'll, I'll point at the patient and I'll say, tell me everything you don't like. And then we'll correct it. And then when they have their final and I'll point the camera at them or the video camera and I'll make them say every, like everything is great. I love it, blah, blah, blah. And we save that in their file because patients will forget that they approve something. And then they'll point out all the stuff that maybe a family member points out and then try to have you fix it for free. Well, it's like, no, you need the data because if it doesn't exist in, in documentation or photography or video, then it never happened. And then the patients can make your life miserable. And what people will find after you do this enough, it's managing the patient and all these things we're talking about right now, which is the hard part, doing the surgery and dropping the implants in and grafting and suturing, that eventually will come, become the easy part and the part that we look forward to. So a couple other things that I recommend to consider when we're doing reduction is keeping the occlusal plane flat. So a lot of the difficulty that I see is you have to have the occlusal plane even with the, the eyes, right? The interpupillary plane. You can even take one of those Fox planes and line it up to the allotragus line, right? We showed that a few times this last weekend. And that helps people a little bit kind of click it in their minds because we all know what the Fox plane is. We got that kind of rammed down our throats in dental school, right, where we're making dentures, and it is very important. Now, you don't have to be exact with it all, but it does need to be generally very flat, and even with the eyes and even with the allotragus line when you're doing something like bone reduction. Yeah, and, and that's a good point to bring up because a lot of people who are reducing at the course, because the buccal bone is softer and the palatal or the lingual bone is more cortical, most people are slanting down towards the buccal, and then if you come over the patient and you look down at it, you got this slope that's occurring. So you have to be very intentional about keeping the heavy end of the burr on the more cortical bone and just light brush strokes on the buckle so then it all evens out nicely. 
And then another thing to note is that the Fox plane works really well in visualizing it. Just sterilize your Fox plane, place it in there in the beginning, and eventually you get the visualization of the, the flat plane. You don't want to reduce so much that you're going to reduce into the sinuses. So you got to be careful that you're not reducing so much in the posterior maxilla if they have super pneumatized sinuses, because that can create another whole subset of problems. So again, this is all happening in your planning stage where you're evaluating sinus location and how much reduction that you think you're going to be needing to. Yeah, I mean, like majority of cases are going to require four milliliters of bone reduction. Like you start to develop just commonalities between every single case. So for most cases, whether it's a regular smile or a low lip smile line, most of them require anywhere from two to usually four millimeters of reduction. Because when you combine opening up the VDO, when you open up the VDO, the prosthetic gets thicker and now you're maintaining that 10 millimeters of thickness. So just really walking through the exercises with us or with someone else and making sure that you really start to understand Should I open the bite? Should I close the bite? How does opening the bite affect the bone reduction in this case? And if you're starting to get away from some of the common trends, like some of the rules that we set up in terms of guidelines for setting bone reduction and placing implants, then you should probably rethink your game plan a little bit. Yeah, it's all great stuff. And and this is all stuff that you guys cover at your course. Now, you you guys sold out a few. When's your next one that has available seats right now? Yeah, actually, it's been really cool. We've sold out every single course we've done. And we have the March course sold out and the June course sold out. But for May, we're actually doing something kind of unique where you can sign up for anything. It's like we're going to treat this like an a la carte course where you can come for a full arch, you can come for singles, you can come from wisdom teeth. You can do all three if you want experience in all three because we have three surgical days and each day you focus on one, one topic and one surgery. Or if you're an owner of a practice, you can come in and you can do the full arch and your associate can do wisdom teeth and your associate can do singles. So you can kind of piece this together in whatever way works best within your guys' practice infrastructure and ecosystem. So reach out to us at coloradosurgicalinstitute.com. We have a HERO10 code for everyone. So if you hear about us through the podcast, you get 10% 10 off of anything that we do uh, at the courses. We're excited to meet whoever wants to come and learn some of these tips and tricks. And for for clarity purposes, I mean, you know, I was doing surgeries in five hours for an arch, and now I'm down to an hour, sometimes under an hour, sometimes just over. But with these efficiencies and things we're going to teach you, the the, the cleanliness and the, the efficiency of the surgeries, they just are so streamlined. Yeah, that's amazing, man. All right, well, thank you so much, guys. I uh, really appreciate it, and we will talk to you guys next time.